This episode of That Does Suit Madam is brought to you by Mrs. Moulter's Buns. Plump, round, and sweet, just like Grandmama used to make. Perfect for entertaining your co-workers, farmhands, or fine gentlemen up from London. Now, with raisins and flour. Mr. Branton, are you free? I'm free! Ground up, Hey, I'm Jeff. And I'm Brandon, and this is That Does Suit Madam, a podcast about Are You Being Served? Hooray! Hello, Unanimous. Hello. Hello. Mr. Jeff, a Unanimous, Gladys. The gang's all back together. Well, except for one person who's no longer with us. All right. So let's just mea copa. Today we're recording this podcast on Tuesday, the 13th of September, 2022. And uh, was it um, how many days ago? Thursday Thursday, last week, the 9th or the 8th. Uh, we learned and the world learned of the passing of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. And uh, there's been lots of stuff in the news. Um, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. She she was a well-beloved lady and uh, kind of everybody's granny over in the UK. It's yeah. In Canada and other places. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the episode of EastEnders yesterday, they had a cold open. And Linda Carter said, it's felt like we've lost our Nan because she was like our Nan. Yeah, I heard someone on um, a podcast uh, interviewed and the person interviewing them said, so how do you feel? They said, about what? They didn't know. And it was like three hours after she passed away, after Her Majesty passed away. You never say she. Um, So the New York Times reporter was recording this person who just learned about it, you know, literally from the reporter. And she said, you know, gosh, uh, I met her once and it felt like I was meeting my grandmother. Yeah. You know, like a lot of us, if we're lucky enough to be acquainted with our grandmothers and uh, they kind of are part of our lives. It's like, what if you met her the first day when you were in your thirties, yet you knew her because the queen has always been around in people's lives, especially in the UK. So yeah, kind of sad. And we have a new monarch. And the Commonwealth and all of that. So there's going to be lots of news. And I'm sure everyone's already well. If, if we just broke the news to you on this podcast, you probably should open a newspaper. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. <laughs> or open your window every once in a while. Like just yeah. poke your head out and see what's going on underneath that rock. Yeah, exactly. So flags are at half mast. Um, yeah. So uh, kind of sad. But life marches on, doesn't it? It does. It does indeed, Mr. Brandon. And of course, if you're feeling nostalgic, you can go back and watch the episode of Are You Being Served? Where, of course, Mrs. Slocum and Captain Peacock dress up as Her Majesty and uh, His Royal Highness. Um, Not the most respectful kind of thing. At one point, you only see Captain Peacock's wife fronts. Uh, in fact, one of our listeners posted uh, a gif of uh, on a comment on one of the Facebook posts we made uh, about her passing. And... Um, it was cute because it was the image of, you know, Mrs. Slocum's descending the stairs and she's got her like pink outfit on. But whoever made the GIF cut out the section where like Captain Peacock's knickers are shown because <laughs> he said, for decorum, I've not included that. And I thought, I think good choice. smart move, smart move. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, speaking of knickers, we got a great <gasps> voicemail from Ms. Johanna from Detroit 
who learned as a child the hard way that not everyone knows what that word means. Yes, indeed. And um, there's a simpatico going on. So why don't we um, listen to Ms. Joanna's uh, message right now? Hi, Mr. Brandon. Hi, Mr. Jeff. This is Johanna from Detroit, Michigan. Um, I've been a big fan of your podcast for a while now. Um, I really wanted to call and relate so much with Mr. Brandon because I myself am an elder millennial, but I'm so young. (laughs) Some of your stories sound straight out of my childhood. I used to watch Are You Being Served and Keeping Up Appearances behind the couch, unbeknownst to my parents. Uh, it used to be on PBS at 10 o'clock at night, and I was supposed to be in bed, but I'd be sneaking out and watching it. And finally, my mom just stopped fighting it and said, fine, just watch it with us. I have an especially funny memory as a young, maybe fourth grader. I have a vivid memory of using a are you being served term that almost got me into big trouble. I saw a girl walking down, you know, it's early 90s, wearing these really cool sweatpants, I don't know, stretch pants, whatever you call them, but they had like lace on the bottom. And I said, oh my gosh, those are the coolest pair of knickers I've ever seen. Um, Not knowing that in America, no one says that in 1990s. So the girl immediately like was so shocked and she went, oh my God, I'm telling on you, you just said a bad word. And I'm like, what? No, I didn't. I'm talking about your pants. She's like, you just said the N word. I'm like, I did not say that I would never say that word. How dare you? And she's like, oh, I can't believe you said that. It, it was a huge deal. And my mom was like, maybe we should use terms we hear from a British show that don't apply here. <laughs> so anyway, every time I hear those stories you tell, I feel like you're my spirit animal. So thank you so much for putting out great podcasts. You keep me entertained. Have a great day. All right, Ms. Joanna, thank you for the voicemail. Um, so much to comment about. Um, thank you for calling me an elder millennial, but I'm so young. Like, <laughs> I'm glad you relate to that elder millennial. It's like, oh, it's a little scary. But um, yes, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to, um, maybe especially if you're in the States, uh, using are you being served words, maybe, you know, English words, let's say, and uh, people not knowing what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so, gosh, I can I can definitely picture you saying, don't get your knickers in a twist or whatever. <laughs> and people misinterpreting that for other words. Yeah. So, oh, that's a little, a little tricky. Have you ever said a, a, an are you being served word that you learned when you were a kid, Mr. Jeff, and used it perhaps maybe not the right way? Um, so I remember from uh, the Adrian Mole books um, that he referred to his parents as the rents in his uh, in his diary, and mm-hmm. I referred to my parents one uh, as that with that word one time, and they were not pleased about that. <laughs> Although now, like everyone texting and stuff, I think people shorten words all the time. Absolutely. Although they also. The Australians, our friend Dina Curry, would probably uh, say and agree that maybe it's just Melbournians. They love to shorten words down there, don't they? Yeah. That, well, that's, you know, servo, bottle arvo. Yeah, totally. Like uh, holiday is halls. I mean, halls. they do that in the UK too, right? Yeah. Yeah, but thank you for the message, uh, Ms. Joanna, and um, that's lovely. And we'll just remind you all now, 
we don't have that many episodes left. So if you want to send us a message to be placed on the uh, on the podcast, we do play most of your voicemails. Um, now is the time to do it. So that's right. But that was great to hear from you. So we also heard from Mr. Allen, uh, who uh, was convinced uh, to sign up for BritBox. Uh, Thank you. Where is our premium? Where is our residuals, right? Give us um, like a month free at least, BritBox, right? I mean. But here's the rub. He's in the UK. So BritBox in the UK is different than BritBox in the US. So there's no grace and favor on BritBox UK. Don't they in the don't in the UK they call BritBox just telly? I mean, isn't that kind of just, <laughs> just box? <laughs> just box, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, he's wondering if there's any way to watch that. And if only there were some way to make your computer or your tablet think that you were in the States while you were watching US uh BritBox, it would think it was US BritBox. I mean, if only there was some express way to do that. Well, you know what you could do? I don't know what Mr. Jeff is talking about, but you could book passage on the QE2 in in honor of Her Majesty. Go across the uh, the Atlantic Ocean, dodge those icebergs, dock into into Brooklyn, and then uh, go to a Starbucks in uh, Brooklyn Heights somewhere and, uh, you know, try that. And that'll work. I know for a fact. And when you book that passage on the QE2, make sure that you use promo code VPN. Possibly. I, I, I guess so. Maybe. Um, please, please follow all applicable laws. So, anyway. Um, related news. <laughs> we also heard from Ms., our superfan, Ms. Ursula. Hello, Ms. Ursula. Hello, Ms. Ursula. Um, hello, hello. So, our friend, Ms. Ursula, um, if you go back and listen to the first 10 or 20, gosh, we've done a lot of podcasts. Um, <laughs> there is an episode where we talk about... Um, the fact that the Ursula family um, used to make Are You Being Served the game? And they had all these cute little rules. It's like uh, Ursula, and I think she had two brothers. Um, that one would be the one character from the show, and they would like to make a board game, and they'd all have lots of fun and then watch Are You Being Served and have like Earl Grey tea or something. I don't know. Um, but it was really sweet. And um, we heard some lovely news from Ms. Ursula. Did we not, Mr. Jeffrey? We did. We did indeed, Mr. Brandon. It was not unusual at all because uh, Ms. Ursula's brother, Anthony, who is also a super fan of the show, recently proposed to his fiance Scott. And he, he asked his sister to be his maid of best maid. I don't know what you call that, but... You know. I didn't know Scott was not the one way nor the other, so that's news. That's, that's lovely. Uh, Anthony had asked Ursula to you know, represent him at the wedding and did so with uh, Mr. Rumbold stationery. Yes, and so thank you, Ms. Ursula, because she also sent us the invitation that was custom-made from the desk of Mr. Rumbold. Uh, so it was, I don't, I don't know if they sent invitations for their wedding to everybody like this, um, because it was full of lots of little inside jokes because they used to call each other Mr. Rumble and Mrs. Slocum. Ms. Ursula also posits that there's a secret, um, that there was a secret lesbian relationship between Mrs. Slocum and Mrs. Axelby, which is interesting, which more on her love life later in the podcast, right? So anyway, it was super cute, and uh, I think you open up the wedding invitation, and it says, I'm free, or something. Are, it was, are you free? Yeah. Are you yes, free? So yeah. You free. For yeah. a wedding. Are you free for a wedding, Captain Peacock? <laughs> so that was lovely. So thanks for that. That was cute. 
Yeah. We also heard from the original superfan, Jeff Y., who pointed oh. us to um, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, which took place late this summer. And there actually was a show there called Are You Being Murdered? Which is <laughs> a murder mystery set on the, um, the stage of a 1970s beloved uh, TV show. So uh, that Where they sell knickers and, and wide fronts. And uh, knockers, yeah. Socks. And <laughs> knickers and knockers, yeah. Oh, my gosh. So it's been, it's been a minute. Um, and, of course, you can find our podcast wherever you found it just now. Um, but if you have some free cash and want some cool stuff, go to the That Does Do Madam Bargain Basement Shop at Threadless something. What is it? I'm free.threadless.com. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops! Oh well, we can try. I've only had half of my cough, my uh, my tea this this afternoon. So, what can you do? And always, listeners, please wash your hands. Keep open uh, to the news about what's going on with COVID and monkeypox in Ukraine, Ukraine, and reproductive rights, and you know documents being hidden in Ivana's coffin and in Bedminster, and of course, as always. Black Lives Black Matter. Black Lives Matter. And you've all done very well. All right. So, Mr. Jeffrey, Let's what are these nice it. people doing listening to our show? What are we going to be talking about today? Today we're talking about Series 2, Episode 3, Mr. Slocum. And it originally premiered on January 18th, 1993. And cool. that week in the news, um, we already know that at the top of the charts for now and the rest of eternity as far as this show is concerned <laughs> was I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. But some of, the, some of the other songs in the top 10 uh, that week were uh, In the Still of the Night by Boys to Men, um, okay. Rhythm is a Dancer by Snap, Rhythm um, is a Dancer, mm-hmm. Deeper and Deeper by Madonna, and okay. A Whole New World, Aladdin's Theme by Peebo Bryson and Regina Bell. Oh my God, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a good karaoke hit if you're ever in need of a good song for karaoke. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. holiday was observed in all 50 states in the United States for the first time ever. Okay, good. Um, Maya Angelou uh, recited a poem at the inauguration of President Bill Clinton uh, on the pulse of mourning. Uh, And she was the second person ever to recite a poem. This was not a usual thing. The first one was Robert Frost in 1961 for Kennedy. Um, and then she became the second person and, and, because, and the first African-American and the first woman to recite a poem at the inauguration. And she was born in, I believe, Los Angeles, but she was raised in a little town in the southwest corner of Arkansas called Stamps, Arkansas. Um, if you, now I'm going to date myself, even though I'm, I'm very young. Well, right? you're an elder millennial. Or I'm an elder millennial. Already outed you. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's bad. Uh, I'm getting Botox tomorrow. Okay. Um, so I remember when um, back in the olden day, gather around children, grandpa's going to tell you a story. <laughs> back before people even had the internet, you had a computer and you didn't really have a way to get information except what you could put on a CD-ROM. Before the internet was around, you would get like an encyclopedia and you would think, oh my God, it's called multimedia. There's videos and photos and text. Oh my, on this little thing. So back then, Encarta, do you remember Encarta, Mr. Jeff? I do remember Encarta, yeah. Encarta 95 was like, God, that's like 26 years ago. Um, But it was like seen at the time as like the most 
technologically cool thing and it was something you everyone can afford so when you put it in it auto plays this little video thing and if you're about 40 years old you probably know what i'm talking about it was a montage of different sounds and they would be like president kennedy and it's all, of course very all american and then like buzz ald went uh neil armstrong like these small steps for man and, and but then you would hear maya angelou at the end and I can still hear her and I actually do an impression of Maya Angelou. I won't do it. Uh, but it's her singing. It's her uh, reciting here on the pulse of this fine day. You may have the pleasure to walk up and out and into your brother's eyes and, and say good morning. And it's so like whenever I hear Maya Angelou, I always think of 1995 Encarta and my CD-ROM disc drive. Okay, that's all. That's, there that's we go. the end of my story. Also that week was um, Nancy Kerrigan won the U.S. Uh, figure skating championship which would set her up for the 1994 figure skating championship, which is where nothing happened, where nothing happened whatsoever. Um, (laughs) When I was doing the research for this episode, I didn't know that it wasn't Jeff Galuli who did it. Jeff Galuli, Tanya Harding's husband, just planned it. There was some other guy named Shane Stant that actually took the crowbar and uh, did what he did. So if you don't know what we just skimmed over because we assume you were all old enough, maybe you aren't, what happened? Oh, uh, she got clubbed in the knee- kneecap and taken out and uh, was fam- <laughs> like screaming in the middle, like, why, why? And By her, was, like, figure skating rival, right? By her, her rival's husband set this up, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then that became a huge movie with celebrity actresses who I don't know, which I've not seen, but it's supposed to be very good. Oh, oh, oh. The um, Well, there was the um, I, Tanya. That's there it. That, I, Tanya. Yeah, there was that, re- yeah, for Hulu. Yeah. So if you don't want to read Wikipedia, go watch I, Tanya, And then there you go. All right. Shall we get into the episode? What a good idea. All right. Let's do it. So it's a couple of days after the cricket match. And okay. uh, they're sitting around the kitchen. Um, Mavis and Humphreys are doing the washing up and we get a visual gag about Humphreys wanting to put on the gloves so he doesn't get washed day red hands <laughs> and puts on the farmer's gloves that are used for delivering calves. Yeah, and, and then he says, I'll, I'll dry. I I'll don't need dr- to I'll wear wash. these. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Um, they're, they're reading the newspaper and the cricket match was actually in the newspaper because I guess there's not a lot that goes on in Tetsbury. Um, and well, Foggy this, Bottom is quite, um, quite dull, ten, apparently. Ten, tender Bottom, not Tender. Oh, excuse me, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> tender Bottom. Not a lot happening on Tender Bottom these days. Uh, Mrs. Slocum was the star of the match. Um, a few attempts were made to carry her on the shoulders, but it was finally accomplished with a forklift. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I tried to picture that, and I, I really couldn't, but um, yeah. poor Mrs. Slocum. Oh, well. And then we get we get a reference to jug ears, but not a direct joke. You know, um, <laughs> is that Mr. Rumbold without his glasses? No, it's the winning turnip in the vegetable and flower show. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course, and then of course, the camera like shows jug ears, and he's got this big head with his with his uh, ears sticking out. Yeah. Um, so this scene it's basically uh, Wendy Richard as uh, Ms. Brahms reading like kind of the news and alerting everybody to it. Which again, back in 1993, people didn't have iPhones and whatever, like all the time looking at Twitter. Uh, one person would read the newspaper and you'd be listening because that's that's all you got, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was it was cute. Um, that that 
turnip joke was really good. Like, I have to say, before we get into it, this is, I think I said last episode that was my favorite Grace and Favor, but maybe this one is. Like, they keep <laughs> getting better. Of course, they're also about to end, so I'm trying to treasure them maybe a little more, but this one is... Anyway, so much to say. Go on. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. Okay. Miss <laughs> Lovelock is taking Captain Peacock out for a ride on the horse, and he's got a lot of trouble dismounting the horse. You know, she does it very swiftly. Uh, you know, she just throws her leg over and slides down the horse. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Slocum says, well, perhaps I could get you, help you to get your leg over, Captain Peacock. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and, uh, to you know, fill in for those who don't know, get your leg over means to have sex, to, to pull, to get laid, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. And so I think one of the things that I noticed about this episode is that we had a lot more innuendo here than I think we've had in a lot of other Grace and Favor episodes. But to contrast this to the original series, they're not doing a lot to further the plot or to be related to the plot. There are a lot of like one-liners that they just kind of throw in, which somehow makes sense when you stitch them all together. When we had that really fun conversation with Joanne Haywood, um, I kind of wish I had asked her about, like, so what's it like to make a show? Because do they make one episode, then two, and then three? Or do they say, okay, these are the ten we're doing, or six, or seven, and then they do them all at once? Because I wonder if by this point they knew that, eh, maybe the third season may not happen, so this might be it. So let's just throw everything we have at these last ones. I don't know. It would be a good question to ask somebody. Yeah. You know? um, Rumbled is go is opening the post and giving the letters to, out to everyone. Uh, Mrs. Slocum hears from her uh, friend, Mrs. Axelby, possible Allegedly. girlfriend, alleged yes. girlfriend, which I thought was, <laughs> is a great some great fanfic could come out of that. Yeah, um, and she's uh, shacked up with the attorney general and has to f- go through his briefs while he's having a siesta. So again, a little one liner sexual. And she's joined a terrorist here. group. Like, yeah, this is nineteen ninety three. It's so, funny because like, if this was after 2001, 9-11, I don't think they would have made that joke, right? They, they probably wouldn't have made that joke. Absolutely no, not, I mean, yeah. I mean, they were, you know, you, when, you, when you're thinking about a terrorist group joke in the 90s, you're thinking IRA, right? Yeah, or yeah. in this case, you know, the, the, um, what's the, the, the Basque um, separatist movement? The, oh, I couldn't tell you. E-L-O, E-T-O, something like that. That's what the, the joke was referring to here, right? Um, uh, also, the first of two times they used the word siesta in this episode, <laughs> right? Okay. Yes, you're right, actually. Yeah. Um, um, and Mr. Humphreys, uh, we learned more about the colorful checkered past of Mr. Humphreys, don't we? He almost gets suspended from the Daffodil Club from a gambling <gasps> debt. He was playing strip <laughs> poker, and he still owes them two wife runs and a cardigan. That is a flower club I want to join. Like, they're gambling, and they send threatening letters to people. Oh, God. Love it. Uh, Peacock uh, never registered to get his medals from the war. He finally did, and he only got two back. And he thinks that he's entitled to more because, of course, he's the storied war hero who chased Rummel throughout Africa, et cetera, right? I love it. There's a really cool camera shot where you can the the camera was set, set really low and kind of pulled back so that you could see everyone's face. Captain Peacock is facing the camera and he's like telling a story and everyone else is like rolling their rolling eyes. Rolling their eyes, right. Because they're like, yeah, whatever. Right, corporal, <laughs> corporal Peacock. Corporal, right? oh God. So we, we get all of these one-liner non-sequiturs yeah, that yeah. just have to do with opening the mail. 
And Mr. Rumbold said, oh, this is a coincidence. Next Thursday, we're getting a guest from a, a Mr. Cecil G. Slocum. And <gasps> Mrs. Slocum has a, you know, a visible reaction to that. Well, that was, I was married to a Cecil G. Slocum. She looks at the letter and that's his signature. So her husband, her ex-husband is finally resurfa- resurfacing after 42 years. Uh, you know, oh my God! In the original series, the story is that he was picked up by the fraud squad and he's been, you know, in prison his entire time. But here, they've been—it's been retconned to that he walked out on her one Easter. He went to Sainsbury's to get some slightly salted butter. Great alliteration there, and never came back. Well, so well, when I watch this, what'd you do? What'd you do? Well, I had margarine on my toast. I know. To go <laughs> well, what did you do? Well, I had margarine. <laughs> oh my god! When I watched this as a kid, um, there's a lot of jokes about like Sainsburys. When you're like ten years old and you don't know really what Wales is, right? You're not going to know what Sainsburys is. And at one point, maybe is it now or later on, where they make a co-op joke. Well, right? yeah, it, it's a little bit after that, right? Um, yeah. And you that, have to yeah. know, like, the grocery store, the supermarkets of the UK to get the joke, which is one of those funny things that makes a podcast. Right. Yeah. She, she turns up, Mrs. Slocum turns up her nose and I'll co-op, right? <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a snob in, Eng- in the Brit- uh, British Isles, uh, what's the, the top, let's, let's do it. So the top one would be... Waitrose. Uh, Waitrose. Oh, it's right. not a grocery store. It's, it's a market. Waitrose. 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 Um, and then Marks, down from Marks, that, Marks and Spencers, Marks and Spencers, M and S, and then from that, um, I guess it would be Sainsburys. Sainsburys. Below that would be Tesco's. Uh, Morrison's then Tesco's. Morrison's Tesco's. Okay, and um, gosh, and then we have Aldi and Lidl, probably Aldi, Lidl. Right, now you see Aldi in the United States and Canada, so you may, if you're in the states, you might yep. be aware of that one, and then. Poundland? No, like a co-op, right? Uh, well, Asda, which is their equivalent of Walmart. Asda is Walmart, but I think they may be pulling out. That was interesting when I was over there. You'd, you'd see Asda, Walmart everywhere, and then Walmart said, uh, see ya. I don't know. But yeah, so as in most things, there seems to be a hierarchy. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, there is around the world, but especially somehow in the UK, it seems, right? Yeah. So anyway, a, a classist uh, connotation of which supermarket you use in the UK? Never. Absolutely. Never. I know. Right? right. What kind of tea do you use? Oh, I only use XYZ. Right. right. You can say that. It tells you, it tells so. you a lot about. Right. Um, and so Mrs. Slocum starts blubbering. Right. And this is something <laughs> that uh, this is a character choice that Molly Sugden has done several times before and has worked out really well. But the difference this time is that she's enunciating and you can make out everything she's saying because it's important to the plot. It's not yeah. just this, you know, picture of her <laughs> breaking <laughs> down. Bitch. <laughs> You're just a silly bitch. Right? <laughs> um, so she doesn't want to be seen, right? She doesn't want her ex-husband to see her because she started humble and ended up humble. Whereas he's, go- he's gone on, he left her and like made something of her himself. So they decide they're going to hide her in the basement until she goes. And Mavis and Mr. Walter don't understand why she's so worried about her ex-husband finding out that she's not like some millionaire heiress by now. Well, so cut, to the, to, cut to the kitchen, right? And it's like this, this, they're doing their little scene, right? Humphreys and, and Mavis. 
You have to understand that Mrs. Slocum is very class conscious. You know, she always boards in first class and then walks down to the second compartment. <laughs> you can definitely see her doing that. Absolutely. 100%. Aww. So the lot of them go to um, set up Mrs. Slocum in the basement, but Mavis and uh, Mr. Humphrey stay behind and are chopping vegetables. And she's showing him uh, an old photograph of the old farmhands when there used to be a full staff. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, p- people were happier when you knew where you were. You know, there were servants in the beer- big house and there were workers on the farm. And I think that that goes a lot to show to that says a lot about um, the class of society that they're still in. You know, even as it was 30 years ago, it's still the case today, just as we saw with the Sainsbury and co-op joke. Yeah, it's also, I mean, if you, it, there's so many things to say because this is in like the country estate. And then, of course, I think of, um, oh gosh, Downton Abbey, right? So, what Mavis says, people, I think people, I think she might even say, it may not be popular to say, but I think people were happier when they knew their place, which is basically saying it's fine to have servants who will never get higher up in the world, or I don't want to say service, but you know, like people who wait on other people. Uh, people who live in the attic room instead of owning a house and right. going into an office. You know, it's it's kind of this, like, backlash to upward mobility, I'd say. But, I mean, you can have an opinion however you want. But it was interesting to hear her kind of say that. And then, yeah. of course, some fantastic jokes come out of it, of course. Right. She starts <laughs> introducing, you know, she points out all the people in the picture that have, like, backstories, and we're going to hear those stories later again. Yeah. And, and the punchline that she kept repeating was, but they were happy. <laughs> and, and, and it got such a reaction to the audience that I'm thinking that there must be something else behind that, you know, that they were poor. They didn't know what there was going on, but they were happy. And well, it so kind of goes I, back to that, that country ethos kind of thing, like yeah. Mavis, like she doesn't really probably doesn't have edu- education. We don't really know. Sadly, we never get to know. Um, but, and she, she kind of like waits on, on people making tea and she's kind of stuck to this estate and could she leave? Well, where would she go? But is she happy? You know, I think so. I would say so. So she's kind of saying like you all in the big city over up in London, you know, you think you're better than us because you're city folk and you have like fancy tea and, you know, um, uh, uh, Waitrose, <laughs> but you're not happy like we are in the country. Right. You know, it's kind of right. interesting. Like, I love how Mavis says, uh, oh, this here, uh, this is, I don't know, I can't think of the person's name. Like, oh, this is, this is, uh, this is Mad Jed. Yeah, he was dropped on his head when he was a baby, uh, but he was happy. <laughs> and uh, this is um, crazy Michelle, I can't remember the, the name, but um, she had a, she had a vision. And her hair stood straight on end, but she was happy. <laughs> it was that classic comedy thing where everything was in threes as well, yeah, and you knew that. True. And this is uh, this is angry Jeff or <laughs> sassy Brandy. I don't know. Uh, he he had X Y Z happen. Dot dot dot. But he was happy. Right. Um, they they which trained we see us coming to back later the punchline. On. Yeah, 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 yeah. So funny. Um, they take us down to the basement where Mister Moulter is making a makeshift bed for Mrs. Slocum out of old beer crates, and she decides she can't stay down there. So mm. there's um, there's an old secret um, secret compartment in the basement where yeah. I guess they used to uh, hide the priests during the Cromwell era, um, and she doesn't want to stay in there because it smells. 
Mr. Rumbold says that Mr. Slocum has arrived a day early. He's part of a group that is looking for land to develop as a conference center and a leisure park. And really? Mr. Slocum starts, starts to panic. So they decide that she's going to escape out of the window while they distract Mr. Slocum. And she's going to, I don't know if she's going to do a runner. I don't know if she's going to find <laughs> some gypsy with a car to take her into town. Yeah. Um, but uh, why don't we take a tea break and then let's come back and figure out what happened to Mrs. Slocum. But Jeff, what does it mean? Why were they hiding priests? I think we, we need to. <laughs> I'm going to throw you under the bus here. So what does that mean? And why was Oliver Cromwell? What the hell? I actually have no idea. I didn't do this oh, well, can, can I can I just save my yeah, own skin here? So, um, as you recall in history class, uh, King Charles II, not King Charles III. Last week there was no King Charles III. There is now. Uh, King Charles II. Uh, no, I'm sorry. King Charles I, right? Wasn't King Charles I was beheaded. There was uh, this movement towards republicanism where there would be no monarchy in the UK, in England back then. So they killed the king. Um, and they created a lot of craziness. So anyway, um, so they elected someone to rule the country, Oliver Cromwell, and he quickly turned into basically a tyrant, um, really, really bad. Um, so part of it was like this Protestant craziness, like they were finding Catholic priests and killing them. Ah, so if, okay. you were, if you were Catholic, you had to hide it. Okay, so the Catholic, the Protestant thing in England, it's a whole thing in history. So anyway, so someone who was very anti-Catholic, let's say, became, I guess he was prime minister. I don't, it was a weird thing, right? So anyway, so back, this is hundreds and hundreds of years ago. They would find little secret rooms in big, fancy uh, estate houses like this, like Milsom Manor, and hide priests into these secret chambers, um, and today, if you go on like a tour, you might hear, oh, there's a, a, a priest closet, which is basically like a secret. It's almost like the underground railroad where you would hide people who the larger society would prosecute or whatever. So anyway, long story short, that's what it meant where they used to hide priests, which speaks to the history of Millstone Manor. Yeah, um, yeah so that's... About 400 years of English history in about a minute, right? <laughs> and, and apparently the hole smells like old priest, so Slocum doesn't she want couldn't, to stay She couldn't there. stand it. All that history has made me very thirsty, Mr. Jeff. What about you? Me too. Why don't we go take a tea break, and then we'll come back and find out if Mrs. Slocum managed to run away. Hello, Unanimous. This is Mr. Brandon. And this is Mr. Jeff. Did you wake up this morning and think, how could I support my favorite podcast while also letting the world know that I'm a proud member of the Unanimous? Does your morning coffee vessel leave you feeling neither one way nor the other? Perhaps your smartphone cover fails to confirm your charm, personality, vitality, and youth. Worry no more. Visit our That Does Suit Madam online bargain basement shop. They've just come in. You could buy your very own That Does Suit Madam official tote bag. A handbag? Or an official podcast sofa pillow. Perfect for hiding your Paddington bear. We sell a fashionable face mask and a celebrated coffee cup. And of course, t-shirts. But don't worry, you'll find the sleeves right up with wear. Support your favorite podcast with some That Does Suit Madam merch. All at imfree.threadless.com imfree.threadless.com And you've all done very well.
So, Mr. Brandon, remind us, remind all of our listeners again exactly what kind of tea you drink. I buy whatever is on sale uh, wherever I'm going. I, I, I will notice that I've reserved Earl Grey to be like a special, like a going out tea. If I'm at home, I'll just do like orange pickup, like, you know, black tea, basically. What about yourself? Um, I'm more of an Earl Grey or an English breakfast or a Scottish b- breakfast. Uh, I like the little bit of, um, uh, there's a little bit, I, I don't want to say mint, but there's a little bit of an herbal note to it. Um, I didn't know if like a Scottish breakfast was code for like having sex in the morning with a ginger guy <laughs> from Edinburgh. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. I find, I find uh. that, I find that those kind of teas take, uh, some kind of dairy really well, whether that's a milk or a half and half or an oat milk or whatever. Or yeah. what have you. Or, or a, a, as one does, right? Podcaster's privilege. You know how we were talking about King Charles I? Yes. Before the break. Um, so when we watch the news, uh, we have a new uh, crown, a uh, new royal crown wearer coming up. So after uh, King Charles I was killed, his son, fled, who was like maybe 12, fled to the Netherlands. Okay. Because they just killed the, his his father, and they're getting rid of the crown. So he's over there. Oliver Cromwell dr- drives everyone crazy. It's not a good situation. He's basically a tyrant, almost like a dictator. The people who were kind of in charge behind Cromwell's back, they said, "Hey, if hey hey son, in the Netherlands, if you come back, we'll make you king. We'll say we're really sorry, and you can be king." Okay, <laughs> kind of weird, right? <laughs> so after they got rid of the crown, uh, after they killed the king Charles the First, they had all these beautiful like gold things and the crowns and and all of that. The people melted it down and sold it for scrap. Uh, when you're being crowned the king or queen of England, you have oil that is blessed by the preach the the, the bishop or whatever, and that sacri- sacramental oil is. Um, the vehicle through which, apparently, according to the church, God travels to the new monarch, okay? Because when you watch an image of um, the coronation of Queen Elizabeth or the coming King Charles III, they place this oil on their chest, okay, in in a cross fashion. So this little spoon holds this oil, which basically to the church is what literally allows you to be ruler by the divine right of kings. It's this whole thing, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, this little spoon that is part of the ceremony was very important, right? It's kind of an important thing to the church. Um, whoever was in charge of all of the the special golden crowns and stuff, he hid it. He saved it for a long time. And now when King Charles II... Uh, the guy's son came back and they, everyone said, we're so sorry. Yes, we killed your father, but you're the king now. Ha ha ha. And they made all new crowns, all new stuff. But they, someone came out and said, hey, I didn't tell anyone, but I saved that little spoon. Okay. So if you go to London, go to the crown jewels and you see like all of the jewels and the crowns and, and all of that. And there's this little dirty little spoon, which is the one thing that has been used before this happened. So anyway, long, long, long story short, when the coronation comes for King Charles III, you're going to see this little thing about a spoon. And everyone's like, why is it a spoon? 
But um, anyway, so like it's just I, I wanted to mention it. So like, be sure to watch it when you watch the coronation. Um, it's the one little thing that that survived, and that does suit history with Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll see if that makes the final edit of the podcast, but anyhow. Um, so Mr. Rumbold brings Mr. Slocum to Humphreys for entertaining, otherwise distracting, while they uh, secure Mrs. Slocum, right? And yeah. so the Mr. Slocum character is played by Donald Morley, who is better known to everyone as Alec on Emmerdale. Oh, okay. All right. Interesting. Again, because there are only about a dozen actors in the Hall of England. And we're the, the show is very good friends with our, our, our buddy, uh, Joanne Haywood. Wasn't she on Emmerdale for a bit? Uh, no, she was, on a couple of, she was on a couple of episodes of Coronation Street, she said. Maybe. Okay. Well, if she hasn't, she should. So there we go. <laughs> uh, outside, Mrs. Silkham has finally escaped out of the window, and she's only got this thin little frock on, so Mr. Moulter mm. gives her his jacket and then all of a sudden we see Mr. Slocum rounding the corner. She's got to hide. So she puts on the hat and doesn't show her face and is barely speaking. She's just pretending like she's one of the locals. And so what does she do? Ooh, ooh, ooh. She has her hat really pulled down close to her eyes so you can't see that she's, you know. Because she doesn't want her ex-husband to recognize that. Her ex, his ex-wife is there and he ran out on her. That's another thing. It's, it's weird that she's feeling embarrassed, right? I just have to say because she didn't rise up in the world because her husband left her and she had right. to work in a shop to make ends meet. And not, but, not selling grand pianos or tiaras, but selling knickers and bras. I know. It's an right. honorable thing, Mrs. Slocum. Ugh. Yeah. So they're, they're discussing in the kitchen, the staff are discussing what's going to happen if Mr. Slocum does decide to buy the hotel. And Captain Peacock is convinced that they're not able to because it's a trust, right? Because remember, right, right. on episode one, they just wanted to sell the hotel, cop the lolly and leave, but they couldn't do it because <laughs> it was a trust. Well, Mr. Rumble has been reading the, the, um, the legal paperwork. And if there is an offer that is significantly over market price, they're allowed to sell it and then distribute the profits. So the, the current market price is about 350,000 pounds, they figure out. Um, okay. in, in today's money, that would be about double. So about 700,000 pounds or about $850,000. For that entire manor, that's a good that's, deal. Uh, sign me up. I'll, I'll uh, mortgage right? my, my whole family somehow. That's, that's amazing. So if they split the if they split the profit amongst them the five the seven ways because you've got to keep the Moulters into it or and uh, Mrs. Lovelock, um, mm-hmm. they're only going to get about fifty thousand pounds and then even if you invest that you're only going to get about a hundred pounds a week in dividends and that's not enough to live off of. Okay. Um, so they'd have to keep their jobs at the manor as the bellman and the bartender and the maitre d. But they wouldn't be their own bosses. They'd be reporting to Mr. Slocum and his partners. So it doesn't appear to be in their interest whatsoever to sell Millstone Manor to anyone. So oh now no. they've, got to, they've got to come up with a ruse to put him off about not wanting to buy. Well, luckily this crew can do a good ruse, right? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. <laughs> and what it turns out that they're going to do is they're going to make it to be an unattractive buy because he's got to take on all the staff. So they've got to pretend that they have much more staff than they do, whether that be in the manor or on the farm. Mm. 
And so the first idea is to um, go into town and get some locals to come out and pretend to be staff. So we'll see how that works out. Um, outside of the manor, Miss Lovelock chases after Mrs. Slocum, thinking that she's a local. You do know this is private property, don't you? Hey, finds you old out, woman. <laughs> right. Finds out that it's, it's Betty Slocum, who, and she has to let her in. You've got to help yeah. hide me from my ex-husband. Aww. So that way she can, you know, she can be in on the story. Yeah. Miss Lovelock is showing Mr. Slocum around the grounds, around the horses, and saying about all, all of the staff we have. We have all the bartenders and the chambermaids and the farm workers, etc. Well, you're about to meet them. We go into Mr. Moulter's cottage, and we see that Mrs. Slocum has been dressed up in Mrs. Mrs. Moulter's own clothes. So a very dirty, simple frock. That's pretty shapeless compared to the dress that she was wearing earlier today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And it looks like her face has also been dirtied up a little bit. You know, you know how Mavis <laughs> always has that one smudge on her cheek? Like yeah, she's been tending yeah. to the ashes. Uh, I was impressed with that we have a whole new set. Like they built a set for this right, episode. For this cottage, um, right? Yeah, because we've never seen that in the show before. Um, Mr. Moulter, turns out he couldn't get any of the local village folk to stand in and pretend there would be staff because they're all at some cattle show. So we're going to do a little <laughs> round robin and get our uh, Grace Brothers staff to be pretending to be locals. And if only these people might have some experience in, uh, I don't know, like pantomime or <laughs> silly stage things where they can become silly characters. Um, no, this is kind of what I was if, alluding to earlier, that, like, this is a very fun episode. Every one of these actors, uh, I think without exception, uh, of the original staff anyway, uh, with maybe not Mr. Rumbled, but but everyone else Rumbled. has, like, a different yeah. character they play. And I have to say, it's weird that, like, if a company today, at least in the States, uh, buys another company and there's too many people, they just fire him. I guess like this this magical trust right. is like you cannot fire anyone. Maybe that's how these kind of things are done or maybe it's just a silly TV show and we're making it too. <laughs> I think it's just the vehicle of yeah, yeah the plot of yeah. the TV show, right? Uh Mr. Mr. Slocum comes into the Moulter's cottage and he uh he tells he tells him in French to sit down, asseyez-vous. <laughs> uh and so here again is that thing that Captain Peacock used to do is to pull out the French when you want to be seem like you're... It's just um, a façon de parler, something are. to say. <laughs> just a façon parler, right? right. <laughs> um, Mavis pretends to be Rosie Bell, the dairy maid, the one who had a vision and made her hands, okay. hair stand on head. Um, because in, in the ruse that they cooked up, Mr. Moulterd and Mrs. Slocum, as his wife, didn't have right, any so children. Right, so who was she going to be? So yeah. Mavis yeah, couldn't yeah, yeah. exist okay. as his daughter, right. So, you know, and she plays herself very simple, but I'm happy. But I'm happy, which kind of, it goes back to that joke where, uh, oh, someone-so was dropped on their head, but he was happy, you know. Uh, They invite Mr. Slocum to taste some of the buns that um, Mrs. Slocum had slaved over (laughs) with some slightly salted butter from Sainsbury. It's a good little jab in there. And I love it when, when Molly Sugden does this. I mean, you can picture her doing that exact same line, 1972. Right? I mean, that angry yep. Mrs. Slocum where she's like, yes, and tell them to hurry up or some, you know, that almost like Mae West kind of vaudevillian kind of cadence right. in a way. Oh, so good. 
I haven't been to Sainsbury's in 40 years. Well, where the hell have you been in between? <laughs> <laughs> and then Mr. Cap- Captain Peacock makes his entrance. Um, he comes in as Ratchet the Gamekeeper and hands a dead rabbit over to Mr. Slocum. Sl- right? So not it. only trying to... Uh, to make it seem like there's a lot of staff to be to be taken care of, but also like in showing him the gross side of country life. And right? I love it that that Frank Thornton has like red rouge on his face, as if he's like been out in yep. the sun all day, and he's got like the little hat and stuff. And, and what is he? And he, of course, everyone's doing the West Country accent. Or, um, yep. um, uh, what does he say? He's like, "Oh, you must be the fine gentleman from London. Oh, that's going to take care of us all." You know, oh, Mister, right. it's so much. It's so much fun. You have to, if you haven't already watched this episode, do it. It's so cute. And then we we uh, we have another p- person that comes in. Do we not, Mister Jeff? We do indeed, Mister Brandon. We <laughs> get Mister Jeffries dressed up as Mad Jack, who <laughs> fell on his head. Um, and this is very reminiscent of the one episode of Are You Being Served Australia that we reviewed. Yeah, I was going to say um, in that episode of Are You Being Served Australia. Uh, John Inman, and this, go watch, the, go listen to the podcast episode we did about it. I don't remember which one, but the number. But like for some reason, oh, I remember now because John Inman, uh, he plays Mr. Humphreys, and he's gone to Sydney, I suppose, uh, and he Melbourne, Melbourne. Okay, so he Melbourne. He his immigration paperwork wasn't done correctly, yep. or they forgot it. So oh no, he's going to be deported. So he has to hide from immigration. Uh, from Australia. Who just happens to be in the store that and, day. Of course. So then he, Mr. Humphreys dresses up as like Bogan Bill or something. And he's like a farmer yeah. who walks in and he's kind of bow-legged. And basically this character that you see, he's got like a funny hat on. He almost looks like Gilligan from Gilligan's Island. He's got a couple of teeth blacked out. Yeah. It, all except one tooth, actually. And he's got like a pair of trousers on that are too short and neither the same length. And he kind of talks like this, but he, you know, he's got like that, that West Country accent, you know. Oh my God. And the thing is like John Inman, uh, Frank Thornton, all of these, Molly Sugden, I don't know if she did pantomime. Um, I don't think uh, Wendy Richard ever did, Mrs. Miss Brahms. No. But you can kind of tell in the scene because she, she comes out also dressed as uh, Rosie, Bell with, Rosie Bell with the funny hair. And then, of course, wait a minute, who are you? And then there's two people's playing the same person so it's kind of messing up the ruse but if you notice oh, we're, her we're twins and oh, I'm yes. pregnant. <laughs> but you can tell that she's she can do a character but like not in the way that the folks who do pantomime like the silly yeah. over the top you know no disparaging the fabulous wendy richard may she rest in peace of course but you know she had other talents let's say yeah yeah. Uh, Mr. Rumbold f- fi- found the rest of the workers who were, you know, on their day off or whatever. And soon enough, the cottage is filled with people. And Mr. Slocum is a little bit overwhelmed. This is a little bit more staff than he was preparing to take on. And then the episode just kind of ends with everybody milling about. We don't know <laughs> if Mr. Slocum refuses to buy. We don't know if he ever figures out who... Mrs. Rachel Motard really is. It, it just kind of <laughs> And it drives ends. Mr. Jeff crazy. My favorite part of the episode, of course, is John Inman as Mr. Humphreys as Mad Jed. Mad Jed. Okay. So he's kind of talking like this, and he's just a local country guy um, talking to the fine gentleman from London, the, the Mr. Slocum. And he says something about like, uh, sometimes I'm like this. 
and he tilts his head to the left. <laughs> and then he says, other times I'm like this and t- tilts his head to the right. But then he says, but other times I'm like this and tilts his head back to the left. But then he says, but I'm happy. <laughs> but I'm happy. <laughs> Which when you watch the episode, it's absolutely hell. It's just so cute. You can tell they were having a lot of fun. Um, I, we mentioned that on the chat with Joanne um, uh, Haywood, how you can tell they're just having a good time. Like they're actors. Yeah. They all know each other. They've known each other for years. They're doing something that's really cool to like the getting the gang back together doesn't really happen ever in life, except it did for these folks. So it's a really fun episode. Here's the thing with this episode for me. You know, okay. I think that um, they they started to go back to a little bit of their magic from the original series mm, where the comedy like was based in conflict of the entire staff against the villain or, you know, them teaming up together against an outsider. Yeah. So I think that there was a little bit of that formula there. But I, I think my problem that I'm having with the with this sequel is they waste so much time of the episode in the exposition, you know. Um, setting everything up. First, the entire first half of the episode is setting it up. And then you've got to squeeze in all of the payoff into the last 15 minutes. And I feel like if, if yeah. the structure was to set it up a little bit more quickly, they could have had a lot more of either playing into the ruse of Mrs. Slocum being Mr. Moulter's husband or um, exploring these farmhand characters a little bit more and giving us that, you know, pantomime West Country put upon uh, that everyone turned out to be so so good at rather than just, you know, having giving them like two lines of dialogue as these West Country characters. You know what it might be, honestly, is because it's 2022, this is 1993, maybe our modern idea of television speed has changed. Because if, um, if you think of Modern Family, um, they'll set up the whole episode in like a minute at the very beginning. And then it's just joke, joke, right. joke, joke. Um, TV's gotten a lot faster. And um, like characters. That's true. You know? That's true. But the original series did a good job about setting up the story quickly. Ah, I see. It didn't mm. take it didn't take the entire first it didn't use to take the entire first fifteen minutes of the show to set up the plot. You'd usually get like five minutes of like throwaway jokes when they were either like getting ready in the morning <laughs> yeah. or like doing the dust you know, or or getting their afternoon conference. But you'd get to the meat of it within those first five minutes. So the rest 25 was, the last 25 was all comedy gold. I hear what you're saying. I think the difference is um, with the original series, you'd have different types of funny customers coming in all the time. We That's don't true. have that. And you can really use a lot in like Mr. Mash, Mr. Uh, Mr. Almond comes in with like the pussy boots or whatever, yeah. you know, like point of display. So we don't have that in Grace and Favor because it's just a different kind of show. So I don't know. It's a... Let's have them go to a country shop instead of, like, you know, a hotel. It could have been a very, you know, like, what if they worked at ye oldie, I don't know, just spitballing here. What if they went to, like, a uh, almost, like, colonial Williamsburg, but it's, like, English, <laughs> and, like, someone has to be the blacksmith, and, like, the people come in? I don't know. I'm just thinking of stuff, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I agree. You know, they don't have secondary characters to play with. They don't have outsiders to play with. They don't have all of the things of the shop to play with, because we don't really explore a lot of other parts of the hotel. Um, and they also don't have the liberty that they did in the 70s to make such bawd, mm. um, body bold jokes that they 
that they, they didn't in the 90s. And like we learned from the, the Joanne Haywood conversation, like they were getting older. And in fact, one of our super fans on um, Facebook somewhere posted a link to a really cool interview of John Inman, uh, one part of two. And it was when he was in the States, and I think they were in like Pennsylvania somewhere, being interviewed by a very American sounding actor, um, uh, interviewer. And he was saying, you know, grace and favor, um, we're older. Like, so the characters are going to be older. And I think he yeah. was asked, like, what's the difference between the original series and what we're doing now? Because it was like when they were promoting it. And like, you know, you get older. You can't still be working at a shop and making dear sexy knicker jokes when, you know, someone's 67 or whatever. Right. That's, that's also true. So yeah. things change. But people like us hate it. Damn it. So, but goodness. we love it at the same time. It's yes. like Schrodinger's cat. Yes, indeed. So we just feel very strongly about it because we love it so much. So if you want to tune in next week to the same podcast time, same podcast channel, we'll be discussing season two, episode four, A Mummified Cat. Where's oh. Tittles? We have to make sure she's okay. Where's t- yeah. Who has eyes on Tittles? Tittles 9 or 10. Like, she can't be the original <laughs> Tittles. Right. But, Mr. Jeffrey, if people wanted to give us a, a, a contact uh, for one of the very last episodes of the podcast, because we're running out of footage, people, what can they do? They can get in touch with us on Facebook or on Twitter. They can write us email at that does suit madam, spelled with an E, at gmail.com. You can call the Peacock Hotline at 662-PEACOCK. That's 662-732-2625. If you don't want to spend the dime on the uh, toll call, you can record a <laughs> voice memo and email it to us. And while you're at it, hey, grab some merch at our bargain basement at imfree.threadless.com. And with that, Mr. Brandon, you've all, you've all done, done very, very well. well. Bye. Bye. Bye, Unanimous. That Does Suit Madam is not endorsed by the BBC and it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All investments, including real estate, are speculative in nature and involve a substantial risk of loss.